Hello, and welcome to the Business of Data podcast brought to you by Corinium Global Intelligence. In this podcast, we talk to senior executives, thought leaders, and experts from a range of industries and departments within large and small organizations across the globe. They share stories and experiences that shape their passion for data and analytics and form the future of our industry. This week, we're talking all about preparation. And to do just that, it is my pleasure to welcome Vladimir Bendikow, who is the Chief Data Officer for FBN Bank in the UK. If you've not had the pleasure to meet Vladimir quite yet, a few intro facts to get you up to speed. So he joined uh, FBN Bank in January 2022. Prior to that, has worked within a number of brands, including Arab Bank, Open Bricks and the UK Export Finance as well. Now, if you can't find Vladimir at his work desk, you'll most likely find him watching the F1. Hi, Vladimir. How's it going? Hi, Catherine. Hi, everyone. Yes, everything is good. Thank you very much. Yeah, you sometimes write from kind of following the uh, F1 in any shape or forms, uh, whether it's a podcast, whether it's um, Telegram channels, or sometimes going to the track. Very good oh, one. And very convenient, though, because it's always on the weekend, so it's not interfere with the walk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd never really thought of that. But, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Now, you're actually really into your cars outside of F1 as well, really. Is anything kind of automatic, really? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it comes with the Slavic kind of blood in it. Uh, I'm Ukrainian and uh, by both. And uh, I do like the cars. I do like the fast cars. But... Uh, I'm very cautious on the normal roads, let's say, and uh, I do have a sporty one, but I drive carefully, I want to believe so, and uh, yeah, uh, I do remember when I get in my first car, I did some experimentations on the side roads, uh, <laughs> including the, some kind of alcohols as well, and since then I always saw uh, behind the wheel. I do know that you sometimes even allow that in the UK, but in my home country in Ukraine, you need to be absolutely sober. And I think it's a very right thing. So there is yeah. fun. There is uh, certain places for fun, but uh, general roads, not for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But very cool that you're into your into your F1 for sure. Um, awesome. Well, let's uh, let's dive into the podcast here today, Vladimir. First off, talk me through what it means to be a CDO at FBN. Oh, at FBN, that's a combination of um, three things. Um, that's the technical expertise on the data, data management and the data governance, which is not necessarily too technical, but still need to be looked after and important for the business data quality, how the data comes in, who is responsible for the data, who owns the data, and hint, it's never IT, it's never data office. Uh, also looking after the analytics and the capabilities of the business to create analytics and uh, kind of uh, making the decisions uh, using analytics, using the data, and be more active and more um in line with what's happening on the market, I would say. And uh, quite recently, kind of important element of the CDO roles, it's also data protections and the GDPR aspect, which probably not necessarily quite interesting in the most kind of fascinating area, 
Nevertheless, it's very important and it has a huge impact on the business if it's done wrong. And therefore, um, typically people like myself also kind of driving that particular effort uh, directly or indirectly in the organization. Yeah. So that's the FBN. In um, some of my previous places, sometimes that goes also to analytics and we probably will touch a little bit later um, with the questions and the kind of natural discussion, but some people kind of extend the CDO to traditional analytics, business insights, semi uh, element of it, reducing more analytics to the business in centralized manner. Um, but that centralizations either works with the small organization, in my personal opinion, or with the immature organizations where quite a lot of expertise concentrated in one area. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to me actually. You bring in the lens of the DPO, data protection officer, um, because I, having spoken to to so many different people, it's interesting that some organisations have that as a separate role to the CDO, and others have it very much inclusive and incumbent of the CDO to be thinking about data protection. So, yeah, it's a really interesting one um, actually as to culturally where that sits and who it sits with as well. Yeah, I've seen a number of things, to be honest. It also depends on the size of the organization, because in a small organizations like FBN Bank, you naturally have more than one hat uh, in any roles, whether it's a CDO, um, I don't know, payment manager or someone else. Um, in the big organizations, you have the luxury of uh, separations. And uh, in one organization, I've seen that sitting with the risk function and another mm organization i've seen it uh, part of the compliance function and there are no right or wrong approach um, in this particular situation there is only one key kind of recommendation you do need to have the dpo where it sits who it, it with and how that kind of incorporated in the overall governance of the organization doesn't really matter but you need to have a person who dedicated that particular program as the full-time or the part-time um, element of the organization. Yeah, yeah, I think that is definitely a, a resounding uh, thought that I've heard as well, which is very much, it needs, yeah, as you say, it needs to to exist. In what form? Depends on your maturity, depends on your company, but it needs to be uh, in there as, 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 you know, a check checklist item that, that you are doing in your organization. Just to finalize on that, I think um, the key important element, it's not only as a checkbox, okay, for ICO, we do have DPO. Yes, we do have certain elements of the GDPR kind of incorporated in the business. It's also protecting the organization because quite a lot of uh, requirements ICO has, from my perspective, is best practice and um, mm. um, kind of having the organization in mind and protect the organization from um, potential threats, from potential misuse of the information. And um, again, resonates with the theme of this podcast, the preparations, it's knowing what do you have. Yeah. Therefore, you can manage that. Because I think one of the, I think it was, um, I don't remember who said it actually, but you can't manage what you don't know. And that's yes. the key, one of the key things about the data management and the GPI itself. 
Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely right. And uh, and brilliantly on brand, as you say, for the uh, topic we're talking about today, which is how it's all in the preparation. Now, yeah. the other day you told me a really interesting <clears throat> story of how you've personally seen self-service deployed before the infrastructure is ready. Um, so I want to dive into that story a little bit. And, and like I say, just keep this theme of being prepared and, and having things ready. So talk me through that story, please let mm-hmm. the listeners know kind of what happened there and, and what went wrong. It's not necessarily my current place, but what I've seen many times is that um, the, in many organizations, um, rightly or wrongly, people want to see the self-service. Self-service seems to be as the kind of golden bullet, if you wish, for all problems, the costs and everything else. In mm-hmm. some organizations, that actually could be the solution for many problems however in any kind of organization in any part of the life uh, that implies that you need to have a certain level of skills and certain levels of the supporting elements within the organization and for many organizations there are self-service in its kind of final stage is the utopia you never reach that particular element people are coming and going your recruitment not necessarily implies that you bring the right people with the right data skills because you can't find them or they're expensive to your budget or something like this. But within the organization, it's also important to to have the technical infrastructure. Again, it can be the analytics and the cell services, can be any other elements of the organization. You can have it on the paper or you can have it with the system. With traditional corporate systems it's more kind of linked understanding you need to have the system therefore you will have the digitalization or automation of the processes within the self-service it's not so obvious because different components involved and yes i do uh, have experience i have seen in many cases when organizations saying this is the um self-service this is the right tools we want to bring to facilitate that particular self-service but not necessarily. They understand that it also implies how that it's organized within the business, how that is um, create ecosystem where the people can use that naturally and uh, having no problems with the using the tools you bring. Quite often, I've heard um, kind of uh, with especially with the tool vendors. Or you don't have the manual for the Google. You naturally do that uh, and you understand what's happening. It's right or wrong in the same time because, yes, you don't need manual with the Google. But let's face it, Google has on its surface quite simple functionality and you don't have a very complex instruction with the tool. With analytical solutions, unfortunately, that's a little bit more complicated. There are a number of attempts, in my opinion, uh, to simplify that and uh, do it Google-like, but it's still quite a lot of um, work to be done in the next uh, couple of years, maybe decades, I don't know. Yeah. But um, when you build the architecture, you uh, when you build a house, let's put it this way, you quite often don't think about um, how your bathroom will look like until you have the bathroom built physically. Uh, you can have vision, you can have a preparation, probably understanding what do you want to have at the end, mood boards, whatever, but you don't spend much time on the planning. And um, 
At the same time, even the bathroom on the second floor, you need to have the foundation and the first floor before you can build the second floor in the bathroom. So this similar with the business, you have the certain elements of the analytical environment building up on the top of um, other elements. And it's typically the data sources itself, the data preparations, which includes CTL, data collections, uh, the preparation data for the final users, and right on the top, you have the user itself. And if you don't have the infrastructure for proper ETL, you don't have infrastructure for data warehousing or let's say data like whatever, then you have a problem at the top because people don't know what to do. It's like, um, I don't know, building the, let's come back to cars and asking every, uh, the, every employee on the conveyor to go back to the warehouse and pick up on um, materials or tools and everything else. You don't do it, you deliver that. But that implies quite a lot of knowledge about the organization, it implies quite a lot of understanding end-to-end -end how the business works, which then comes back to the point that senior management should also uh, create a strategy. They need to understand and have a clear goals where they're going to, which then is translated to analytical environment and so on. So it's a very complex and kind of um, interrelated um, subject. And uh, I need to admit, I haven't seen um, any organization that master all of them, mm. but I've seen the good examples of understanding what needs to be done and the senior management supporting you on that particular journey. That what is the most important. It's like in life, it's a journey. Yes, you have the understanding where you get to. You need to define that. And again, it comes back to the preparation, but it's a journey. You're on a journey of rising maturity. And the self-service, in my opinion, sits somewhere further down the line. Um, typically, if you have, the, let's say, five-stage maturity, most of the maturity models have. It's a stage three plus, maybe four, when you get um, the maturity uh, enough and the skills and the organization ready for the self-service capabilities. Yeah, I mean, well, so much in that answer. But I mean, let me take take a moment to just just pick pick some of it out. I mean, I agree uh, in your first point about self-service kind of being viewed as the silver bullet at the moment. I think that's absolutely correct. I think so many businesses see this as a way to get quick results to get data throughout the organization i think you're absolutely right there and listeners who have tuned in for a long time to the podcast will know i absolutely love a visual description and i think it's such a great way that you phrased it with the building of of a house and the fact that you have to if you're going to start planning a room that's two stories up you have to have that first story built and i think that's going to be something that hopefully our listeners can use that example and bring it into the business when people are asking, well, why can't we just do it? It's a case of, okay, well, here's an analogy. Does it make more sense now mm -hmm. in terms of the foundations have to be in place in order for you to be successful? And then uh, that, that that final analogy there about the, the factory floor and the kind of conveyor belt, what you're asking those people to do and the expectations of them in their roles. I think it's so, so fantastic. Now, that's, you mentioned that the, you've seen some great ways of it being done as well. And I'm going to come to that in a moment. But what do you think are the impacts for adoption and for the culture of when it, when it's happened like this? It's not been done well as such. What are the impacts that you've seen and that you know of that, that really can not help with the general 
data-driven message and self-service message? Adoption doesn't happen. It's simple like this because you always rely on um, people and adoption means that people kind of change in the way how they do the jobs, how they do their day-to-day activities. That requires certain, I don't know, courage to some extent because let's admit quite often when an organization starts change program or the transformation program, People fear, not necessarily rightly, but people's expectation is that some jobs might be at danger and at some point the people might be uh, asked to leave, essentially, because we're replacing them with the machines or something like this. That's not entirely correct. I've seen quite a lot of examples when we, let's say, repurposing or redirecting the some efforts to some other activities. And let's face it, in 21st century, there are quite a lot of advanced technologies which can do routinely job. What people still kind of viable for and valuable for is the um, using imagination, using the kind of partial information to write to make the right conclusions, analyze and predict the elements. That's where we add extra value machines can do. And for organization, it's what they need to do in the first place, in my opinion. When adoption goes wrong, it's always quite uh, poor communication uh, because the adoption needs to be facilitated and kind of supported by quite extensive communication. So uh, in one of my previous uh, roles, I've seen quite a lot of effort on show and tell. Every single time when you introduce some new functionality, you introduce also the kind of... um, communication in person um, by emails, uh, on dashboards or in intranet. What are you trying to solve? What is the problem? Essentially, you focus your communications on how you're solving the people's problems and making their life easier. That's one of the elements. Showing the tools, showing the methods you're introducing um, to make their life easier at the earlier stages, give them the chance of touch and earlier experience of that tool, even before you're rolling out to your life. Uh, all these things is important uh, that people understand, yes, it's needed. Yes, it will make my life easier and give me more time. How the time is going to be used, that's already to their managers and to the overall organization, but they understand that simplification it's uh, something that we're introducing furthermore um one of the key interesting things i've learned when i was studying the lean six sigma is that um, the continuous improvements quite often and more successfully if the people on the ground who are directly impacted involved right from the beginning not because of the adoption itself but also about their input because they understand precise problems. And mm-hmm. when you come in as an outside, not necessarily you understand exactly the pain points they're going through every day. And that's also very important, again, from the prep perspective. Get them involved right at the beginning. Ask them what is the problem and how to solve that problem. Because your solution might not necessarily have ideal kind of uh, setup for them, and they can impact that. And don't forget that the adoption is the curve. And once you implement the solution, at that moment, you don't drop things, you don't drop the support, you don't drop the 
communication and everything else and go into something else. No, you carry on because it's three, six months down the line when the adoption actually gets to the operational level. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. And I, I think it's it's so important to get that that buy-in early doors. And I think as you, as you mentioned there, especially from the data perspective, you guys are going to be experts in what you do. But the people in the business, they're experts in what they do. And what you will see from the data office may not be the nuances and the context that the business can provide as to why something wouldn't perhaps work as it would on paper in reality. And I think that's so, so, so crucial. Now, do you think there is a time that the business is fully prepared and ready for these new projects, whether it's self-service or something else? Or do you think there is that kind of gray area where you've got most of the foundations being built, but you're also going to pop to the shops to have a look at bathroom tiles whilst those foundations are being built? Do you think there's kind of that element? Because again, from kind of theory to reality, we know that we want everything in place and in you know a nice chronological order for adoption to happen and everything else. But we know that business doesn't very often allow us to work in that way. Where's the kind of compromise and middle ground for you? Uh, it's an interesting question because from my perspective, um, I usually start with a strategy. Everywhere I go, I look into what we've been trying to achieve and obviously communicating that particular vision to the business. But we should not forget the strategy. It's not kind of set in stones. And once you agree on the strategy, it's the only path to uh, mm. your goals. First of all, your goal can change. And the second one is, especially for the kind of uh, technological um, systems, um, or technology implementations, uh, it's quite often that the new technology comes in or the new way of delivering the technology or the service comes in. And you need to always keep up with that particular um, developments and therefore being able to switch. So what I'm trying to say, even if you have three, five years technology, the strategy and the roadmap, you constantly check in two things. One, whether you're moving in the right directions, whether you do want to be there, and the second, whether there is a better way of getting there. So answering the question, not only what and why, but also how. Mm. Um, one of the key things kind of I learned over time is that, uh, especially with the data and analytics, um, I call on this as analytics always suffers from inconsistencies uh, within the business because you... Everyone knows the um, statement garbage in, garbage out, but if you kind of step it back a little bit, business always resolve um, some, uh, not necessarily isolated, but um, problems which not kind of expanding to end-to-end uh, aspects of the organization. When analytics quite often, especially in the complex environments, um, always get the kind of data from the different sources, from uh, kind of... Um, different hand uh, handover points to another system. And therefore you, you might see that inconsistencies. And people again, quite often saying, oh, analytics is wrong or report is wrong, which in fact, either underlying system is wrong or something wrong with the system. So what I'm trying to say, you need to have that end-to-end perspective of the business and looking into various aspects and understand what's happening before you start building the solution. 
even with the strategy and the checking these elements. And this is why it's quite important that CDO also has oversight of the projects, not only from the data perspective, but understanding what business intend to deliver um, and from the data perspective, understand impact of that delivery on analytics or on the data architecture or on any other aspects. Not necessarily stopping the project, but adjusting the internal um, deliverables into that. And um, there is nothing wrong, in my personal opinion, if two years down the line in a strategy, you realize that you need to change the strategy, you need to change the direction of travel and moving on. Uh, you need to be quite comfortable that you kind of uh, not undermine everything what you have done in these two years. So it's a flexibility of the environment to switch. One of the reasons why I'm not necessarily like uh, concept of the data warehouse, which was emerged in what the 90s, probably, probably even before that. Right now, because quite a lot of organization goes through a transformation, through a change of the data model, uh, change of the organizational structure. Quite a lot of banks had uh, French um, subsidiaries now, or have now subsidiaries, when previously it was just a branch. So a simple change of the organizational structure needs to be incorporated into data uh, into your data collections and data warehouse not always the good thing so there is a solution which is the suitable for things but we need to allow the flexibility and that's one of the hints i've been kind of constantly doing right now constantly kind of going from one organization to another i'm seeing that quite a lot of aspects which need to be changed and in, in kind of modern technology and the modern kind of revolution of the bi and the data management actually have this look in data lake look in lake houses or data mesh uh, kind of uh, layers all of these elements are flexible enough to adopt the different elements in the different data cells do you think there's an element in when it comes to what we what we've spoken about today with the self-serve and with other projects that and I, I saw a post on LinkedIn just this morning about kind of what comes first with all of these sorts of projects. Do you think there's uh, uh, evidence that we can fall into the trap of overcomplicating things with technology and having almost too much of, of the technical side of that we don't perhaps need to move the needle for what the actual strategy is being set as? I think we have a um, kind of danger right now because um, traditionally, again, my personal opinion based on what I've seen before, quite a lot of, um, first of all, technology is always the IT people or the perception that technology is driven by IT people. Quite often I see that IT people, um, for various reasons, um, look into the technology and technology implementations quite often from reactive point of view. So what they'd be doing, the business comes with a problem and problem is that business comes quite often with not only a problem they want to address, but the possible solutions. Um, and they're saying, oh, I need a Ferrari, yeah? And they want, need to fast get to the same point which Ferrari also kind of uh, alludes to a cost of getting there faster. But when you start asking the questions, and again, coming back to the mind training in um, Six Sigma and the kind of uh, other areas, you're asking the questions, five whys, I absolutely love in the initial conversations. 
And you get to the point, oh, actually, you don't need a Ferrari. You need to have 154 because you also need to carry on the heavy goods with you. And uh, the problem is, again, the business quite often comes with the possible solutions they heard from a friend's pal or mm-hmm. previous place. And IT kind of implemented that straight away creating some issues with kind of disorganized uh, overall environment, probably not synchronized the data flows between the systems or the different representation of the, the data and uh, cutting the corners and these implementations uh, with the integration. So all these things, to some extent, will fall into a data management team, whether it's a BI or anyone else. And we need to address this. We need to, again, invest our time to um, undone some of the decisions done by the other people. And again, it comes back to the point of uh, the cost because um, in project management, there is a one, 10, 100 shows. Depending on how early in the project planning you do certain mistakes, it's cost mm-hmm. of um, resolving them. And that's why it's very important to understand uh, simplicity and to be honest, with one of my kind of uh, early days in open bricks, I kind of was exposed to the startup culture and more specifically MVP element. And uh, that was brilliant because it gives you really kind of perspective of minimal viable product which is viable for your customers which you need to deliver quite quick would take some time proportion is 80 20 or still applies here because you can deliver the 80 percent of the functionality for 20 percent of your effort and then spending another 80 delivering the perfections in the solutions whether it's needed or not that's a slightly different question so starting simple understanding the simple problem to resolve let's say you don't have a data yes so instead of looking into the fancy solutions how to analyze the data prepare graphs and everything else you're starting with a simple solution of etl uh, delivery of that data to a user they can use the excel to manipulate this data further and prepare uh, the report while you're working on the more fancy uh, front-end solution and uh, my one of my previous bosses said that you don't inhale the fund in the one go, you eat it by a chunk, by a piece. And that's where you deliver the IT solution for the data. You break it down to a certain elements that you also need to understand the strategy because you need to know where you're going to together with the organization. By the way, it's not the sole journey. And furthermore, you need to understand the dependency, technical dependency of the different elements. Mm-hmm. Because again, you can't build the second floor, the bathroom, until you uh, finish the first yeah. floor. And then you start delivering these elements, ideally in vertical, um, uh, if it's possible, uh, to the business users and complicating and the, resolving the uh, complex problems by delivering the simple solu- number of simple solutions. Absolutely fantastic. Well, Vladimir, we're uh, fast running out of time for this episode. So I'll jump to my final question that I always ask on the podcast, which is what is the one thing you want our listeners to really bring from this discussion that we've had today? What's the one thing you want them to take away? Uh, I think don't underestimate the strategy and don't 
don't underestimate the planning. You need to do the planning and understand where you want to go. But it's not set in stones. It's the um, something that is, as a living organism, it's constantly checked and constantly revised. And one more important thing, it's always communicate with the end users, communicate with the senior management, get their feedback as well, because that feedback might also kind of source as the check that you move in the right directions or the red flag that you're moving in a slightly different directions which you need to change. It's important. It's not about the, the office, it's not about IT, it's about end users in the organization and potentially customers and uh, clients outside the organization. That's the biggest kind of takeaway. It's for them, not for um, mm -hmm. ourselves, if you wish. And therefore, feedback is important. I do remember the video of my previous walk sitting in the um, previous place, sitting in the room and absolutely cheering when the customer was without any guidances going through the service. Yeah. And that's what we need to build. We need to build the customer in mind right from the beginning. Internal and external, slightly different story. I love that. Well, Vladimir, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been great to catch up. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Business of Data podcast wherever you're currently listening and keep up with us on socials. And for more content, visit us on businessofdata.com. Be well, and thank you for listening.